Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our first reading is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long on the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Our next reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Our last reading is from the Gospel according to John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. 
And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we continue on our Lenten journey this week, we come to a promise of justice. And we get some interesting readings for this. The main focus today is going to be on the gospel reading. But I want to touch base on our Old Testament reading for today. Because it's a very familiar reading. We have the Ten Commandments. I don't want to focus in on the content of the commandments specifically, but what they point to, because it helps us to understand our gospel reading and understand this promise of justice. Because the foundation of these rules is not simply arbitrary rules to make rules. It's a set of rules to say this is what you shouldn't do if you're going to have a society based on justice. And they aren't the only rules. They're the opening of the law. The opening that says, here's where we begin. And we go from here into laws that specify how people can get justice and constant calls that justice must be upheld for all people. So when we look at the gospel reading for today, it can be a little unusual. It can also be a little confusing because the story happens in all four gospels, but in John it takes place early in Christ's ministry instead of late. It can be a little confusing when we're trying to place it in timeline because John tells the story of Jesus in a very different way than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as we have discussed before. I want to focus in on the justice being sought out because we see Jesus in Jerusalem. And in the temple, there are people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and also changing money. And it's important to understand exactly why they're there. These are all things that you would need in order to make offerings that you would have to purchase. The money changes are there because often you'd have to exchange Roman money for money with no image on it so that it would be allowed in the temple. And the problem is that this has become not a public service, but a money-making venture. It's become a way to prey upon people needing these things, especially if they've traveled a large distance. Bringing things with them may not always be possible, and especially when you look at those who are selling doves. The reason for this is because when we look at the way that things are set up, if you are unable to make an offering of the larger animal, often because of financial reasons, there's justice for the poor that they still have an option that they could use doves as their sacrifice. The reason for this is that no one's left out. That if they don't have the larger animal to offer up, there's an option available to them. However, now it's being used as a way to exploit the poor by selling these things at the temple. People making money off of people wanting to get right with God. Jesus makes a scene. One that people might frown upon when they read it because it's not nice. It's not polite. It's destructive. Sometimes it can be hard to understand this situation. But what we have is Jesus making a whip of cords and he drives the animals out. He overturns the tables of the money changers and pours out their coins. 
This is not a peaceful protest. Reading this, we might start shifting uncomfortably in our seats. We could make excuses. We could try to find all sorts of ways to get around the uncomfortableness. We could try to play mental gymnastics with it to make it all right and warp it into something easy. But I think the simple explanation is the one given. That his disciples remember, zeal for your house will consume me. His passion for justice, for God's justice, has overwhelmed him. And he has no time to be polite to the vultures preying upon the people. He makes a scene. He's overturning businesses. He's driving out their inventory. Why? Because it wasn't right. Here we come to a point that intersects with our reading from 1 Corinthians. It's always been this way that you say to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? And it's mentioned in our reading from 1 Corinthians that there's a demand for signs always. Always wanting a sign to prove what they say is true. And that Christ crucified is a stumbling block to that. And we get an allusion to the crucifixion. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They think he's talking about destroying the actual temple. As John says, he was speaking of the temple of his body. And I think in some ways he's also referring to, re referring to restoring faith. Restoring justice. It can be hard to understand, but we're also told that the Greeks desire wisdom. And the crucifixion is a stumbling block there because it seems to be foolishness. That God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. The question we have to come back to is, what can we learn from this? What should we take away? To me, it's the zeal for justice. That there's a promise for justice, and Christ is seeking to restore faith in that promise. Because it would become worrisome. If you felt like getting right with God requires that you go through exchanging money and buying the right things, it doesn't make you feel closer to God. I can't help but read this and feel like it starts to feel like a sham going to the temple. That there's people profiting off of the suffering of others. People are interested in making money off of those coming to honor God. I think this is why that anger comes out so strongly. Because those people are turning God into a business. They don't have any respect for God's justice, for God's mercy, or God's love. They're there to make a buck off God. It's interesting when you read John. This is early in Christ's ministry, and it seems to put a target on his back. In the other three gospel accounts, this is close to the end, and it makes it seem like this may have been one of those steps too far. That the status quo has been interrupted. And we cannot have the status quo be interrupted. The problem is that those who liked the way things worked didn't want things to change. People don't like change. Not even if it means a greater justice for all. They don't like change because it means 
that they have to look at themselves and say, is there something that I need to do differently? They don't like change because they have to wonder if all these things that they've been doing all this time might have been harming somebody, and they never even thought about it, never realized it. And if that's true, what else have they been doing? And I started to think about this because of the introspection that we have in Lent. I also thought it was interesting because of some recent headlines. It seems like things are always changing. Because things are always changing. The trick is figuring out if we're constantly moving towards more justice, towards more grace. And maybe it seems like foolishness sometimes. But God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. Does it really hurt us to be more graceful? To be kinder? To be more loving and more caring? To want to expand justice to where others finally feel that they have justice as well? That their voice is heard? That when they cry out, they do not cry out alone? They cry out and are heard. If we know God hears them, Shouldn't we? From my experience, there will always be more room for justice. There will always be more room for change. There will always be more room to do things better. There will always be more room for love. What I take from our reading today isn't that we have to get destructive. It isn't that we have to become violent. There's a whole other sermon about the fact that a riot is the language of the unheard. Today... What I want to take away is that it was that zeal then and there to want to do something to make a difference. To do something to make people stand up and take notice of the injustice going on right under their noses. To let those suffering know that somebody saw. Because I can't help but hear that last bit. And they believed the scripture in the word that Jesus had spoken. That he was right. That no matter how angry it might have made people and how uncomfortable it might have made things, he was speaking of justice and he was right. God's promised justice to all people. Part of our covenant is to seek justice for all people. As we travel to the cross seeing God's mercy for all people and God's love for all people, let us remember that promise of justice that we may be more ready to seek justice for all. Understanding it may not always be comfortable and it may not always make everyone happy. But we do it because God calls us to be a people that have a zeal for his love and his justice. And that we remember the promise that God's salvation is for all. And God's justice is for all. That Christ went to the cross for all. That all may be saved. Amen.